friends trying to make me teach without notes. <laughs> he took them. <laughs> you can take a Bible if you have one and turn to Colossians 4. Colossians 4. About three years and five hours ago, I was uh, standing in this room, right up there, saying I do to my amazing wife. And which is a, it's a really sweet thing. You know, we got married in this building, not because, not just because it's a beautiful building. It is a beautiful building. We got married here because we knew this was the first church we were going to be in together as a married couple. And we wanted to uh, get married in front of you all. And uh, what a gift it is. And, and un we didn't see this coming, but what a gift it is to have been able to serve you uh, now for the last two and a half years. Well, before we jump in, I want to pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, it corrects us, it challenges us, it encourages us. But more than anything else, we get to hear your heart. Thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, because we do have a business meeting, I'm going to attempt to be brief, so hopefully just about an hour and a half. Um, look at verse 12 with me. As Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. Prayer is one of those topics that um, sometimes we don't like to, to think about, and sometimes we don't like to read passages like this because it, it hurts, it convicts, and um, we just want to spend a little time here tonight. Uh, thinking about this, and, and it has convicted me greatly as I have learned from Epaphras, and I um, hope you will be challenged and encouraged tonight as well. Um, so first of all, who is Epaphras? Can, does anybody know? We don't know a whole lot about him, but he's there. Any ideas? Well, first of all, wh what do we know about Epaphras from here? That's right, okay, so, so he's one of the, of the Colossians, he's from Colossae, just another really important thing there, that's the description of him, that's right, he's a bond slave or a servant of Christ Jesus. If you turn back to the beginning, uh, opening chapter of Colossians, you see him mentioned again, and you learn something really incredible about Epaphras here, look at verse 7. I'm going to start back in, in verse 6. It says, Which has come to you, as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. We learn a couple things about him here. He's with Paul. So he's, you also see that at the end. He's sending his greeting. He's made known uh, the Colossians' love for Christ um, and love for one another to Paul, which is why Paul's writing this letter. Paul's never met the Colossians at this point. And we also see that he was the one who shared the gospel with the church at Colossae, started the church. And so this, this brother would have been very precious to that church and they to him. We, we just, one other passage that we read about um, Epaphras, and that's at the end of Philemon. I'm just going to read it to you. This is from Philemon 23. 
Paul says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greeting to you. So he's imprisoned with Christ, so just a, a dear, faithful brother. And here at the end of Colossians, Paul is setting Epaphras up as an example to us and to the church, but also encouraging them. He wants to, to communicate to the church how Epaphras is praying for them. And tonight, we just want to look at two things very briefly. We want to look at uh, how he prays and what he prays, and uh, we can learn. And, and as we're doing this, you know, Paul's setting Epaphras up, but even just as we opened tonight, um, as Epaphras prays, he's just imitating the Savior. The Savior is the ultimate example of one who prays for his people. We see that in John 17 as well. Jesus prays for his people, and Epaphras is imaging Jesus, and we want to imitate Epaphras. So the first thing we see here about how Epaphras prays is that he struggles in prayer. If I can have someone, uh, we'll have three passages here. One, someone can turn back to the beginning of Colossians, Colossians 1, 28 through 29. Someone can turn to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. And then if someone can get 2 Timothy 4, 7. This word for struggle, it's a, it's a work word. Um, the literal translation would be agonize. Um, but you see it, you see Paul using it several different ways. Someone can read that Colossians 1, 28 through 29 passage. Someone who has it. I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Same word there. It's the idea of just, it's, 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 a, it's an intense struggle. And then 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. The word exercises there, that's the word. It's the same, same word here that Paul's saying struggle, exercises. And, and there you see a wonderful aspect of this word. It's not just pointless exercise. It's exercise for a specific goal. Same here. Epaphras is struggling toward a very specific goal. In 2 Timothy 4, 7. Someone's got that one. fought the good fight. That word fought. Struggle, exercise, fought. This is the way that Epaphras is praying. And this is challenging. Uh, as, I have, as I've thought about this and, and studied this, you have to ask, is, is this the way that I pray? Um, not just is this the way that I pray for myself, is this the way I pray for others? And you can't pray this way unless you're previously a servant of Christ Jesus, as is said of Epaphras. It is, it is not until you have understood the love that Christ has given you at the cross and responded in humble submission, saying, Lord, do with me what you will, that you will make the time and give the energy and humble yourself to struggle 
in prayer for other people. Our lives are just too busy. We fill it with things that are on our agenda. And, and you can't pray in this way unless you make time for it. It's not just going to happen on its own. Um, you have to carve out time to pray this way, to struggle in prayer. But what a sweet thing to get to, to agonize, to get to struggle, to fight for your brothers and sisters in Christ. So that's the way that he prays. But what, what does he pray for? Or for what does he pray? That you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. This is particularly challenging, I think, for in my life and I think also for us as a church. This is what's taking priority in his prayers. As he is separated from them, he's longing that they would stand mature. And this word is used elsewhere in Colossians as specifically maturity in Christ, which is what this is referring to here. So why this? Why maturity in Christ? I'd like to hear what, what you guys think. Why, why is he praying for maturity? That's right. Probably a new church. He's wanting them to grow up in Christ. other thoughts? Why is this taking priority in his prayers? It's hard to follow the pastor. Yeah, I think I think the primary word here is is thrive. Paul or Epaphras is praying for the church at Colossae they'd be mature in Christ because he knows that um, it is the only way to thrive as a church and individually. The only way to thrive in a broken world is to stand mature in Christ. So turn back to Psalm one. well-known psalm. I'm going to read it for us quickly. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the seat of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. 
and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The one who is mature is like a tree, and in all that he does he prospers. Epaphras knows this. Turn over to Jeremiah 17. I want you guys to see these. Jeremiah 17, starting in verse 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, and its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Again, a picture of one who is mature in the Lord. You know, Epaphras is from Colossae, so he would have known a lot of the struggles that the, the church is going through. He would have known a lot of the ways that the church was encountering the brokenness of the world, um, or even maybe the sin within. But praying for maturity in Christ takes precedence for him. Because he knows that it is only as the body becomes mature that they are like a tree. that does not fear when the drought comes. Because the drought will come. It will come. This is the same thing that Jesus prays for his people in John 17. He says, sanctify them. Another word for maturing in Christ. In the truth. Your word is truth. And if you keep reading on, he prays for maturity. And he prays for full assurance in all the will of God. That can be hard to, to grasp because tend to think of the will of God as something that's hard to find. And there is a secret will of God, but there is a revealed will of God here. And he's praying for them so they'll be fully convinced, fully assured of the will of God. It's communicated most clearly in his word. And it is only through full con- conviction, confidence, and assurance in the word of God that you do grow up into maturity. He knows this, and he's, he's praying for them. And this has been particularly convicting uh, for a couple reasons. I think that we don't struggle in prayer for other people. Um, it kind of goes like this. I think we don't understand the love that Christ has for us, and so we don't respond to his love in submission that allows us to struggle. We don't respond to his love by turning to love other people. And we don't respond to his love by being convinced that he's telling the truth when he says that he hears our prayers. I don't, think we, I don't think we think that it's worth our time. It's worth our struggle. I'm guilty of that. But I also think we don't struggle in prayer for one another because we're so fixated often on the temporal. And the temporal can sometimes be hard to pray for because sometimes circumstances don't change. Sometimes they do. And we need to pray for the temporal. We're, we're called to cast all our anxieties on the Lord. 
But brothers and sisters, we need to be praying for one another for maturity in Christ. Because we are all, either have walked, are walking, or will walk through the fire. The drought will come. Sorrows are going to hit. Hard times are going to come. And it is only when we are mature in Christ as a body and individually that we can thrive and be like that tree planted by streams of water. Let's pray. God, I want to pray for Fisherville Baptist Church. Mature us in Christ, Lord. Pray that you would grow us up into the knowledge of Christ, fixing our eyes on Christ, abiding in him, drawing our life source from him, being satisfied in him, knowing that in his presence is fullness of joy. And that it is through abiding in him that our joy is made full because his joy is in us. Lord, sanctify us in your truth. I pray that this book that we are so blessed to be able to hold in our hands and have on our phones would fill our minds. I pray that we would meditate on it day and night, fully assured, fully convinced of what it has to say and walking in obedience, Lord. I pray that we would see ourselves identify ourselves as servants of Christ Jesus, slaves of Christ Jesus, that we may wake up daily and ask, what would you have me do, Lord? Lord, I thank you so much for the growth that you've already given to Fisherville, the maturity. I just want to pray that it would continue. It's in Jesus' name we pray.